my good friends. Welcome to my podcast, Proclaiming Freedom. My name is Sadie Anderson. I'm so glad you're here. It's another great day to give glory to God, so that's what we're going to do. If you want to find more episodes or other resources on the topics I discuss, head over to my website, proclaiming-freedom.com. Okay, let's jump into it. So today I wanted to go through just kind of some responses I had to this graphic I saw on social media. And these things are popular, they're brightly colored, they're about all different types of things. Um, But this one I saw, was reading through it, and immediately just started kind of formulating my responses and coming up with my understanding of what the argument was they were presenting. And I thought that this would be hopefully beneficial to some people because I know myself 10 years ago would have benefited a lot from just being able to think through some of these popular arguments that we can see on social media, out in the world, on college campuses, this and that. So, if anything, this is for my younger self and anybody who might be in that same kind of a boat and having a lot of questions and a lot of confusion and just to be able to know how to think about things instead of just what to think is important and it's been really beneficial to me as I've just kind of learned and grown in that area of understanding. So before I even get into this graphic, I just want to go through some preliminary statements. First, I believe everyone is searching for their identity, whether passively or actively, and whether they're aware of that or not. So with that being said, the responses I'm about to go through would not be my first or second approach with someone in person. I value the relationship more than taking an opportunity to prove that I am right or make a statement or an opinion that might undermine my ability to relate to someone. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that's important for me. I'm known as a follower of Jesus by how I I love people, not by my opinions or how loudly I share them or my ability to win an argument. Obviously, I'm not trying to tell people what to do or what not to do. The most important thing is following the Holy Spirit's lead in your life and the situations that that you find yourself in based on your understanding of who God is, all these things. The Holy Spirit knows the best way, so if we're all listening to the Holy Spirit, things are going to go a lot better. The reason I wanted to do this response episode is to point out the misunderstanding and deception that is hidden within these graphics. 
If you're asking the Lord to give you increase in anything right now, my vote would be for discernment. If we can discern the spirit behind a message or a movement, then we can leave our own fear behind and step up to the plate and respond to it appropriately, whether that's just an internal response or an external response or communication with other people. Within the church and out in the world, there are messages and movements that are contending to either spiritually oppress or spiritually liberate. And being able to discern that is crucial. Number one, so we don't get left out of something that God is doing, a movement or a message that God has anointed. And obviously, in the opposite way, we don't want to find ourselves involved in something that is not ultimately pursuing God or glorifying him or representing his character. Speaking of liberation, I'm not trying to convince people to follow the rules just to be right. That wasn't helpful to me in my journey. It was more of a hurdle that I had to unlearn. So I just want to encourage people that what I am most excited about is the freedom that I have in Christ. And there isn't anything from my old self life that I wish to have back for one moment. And I can truly and honestly say that. So I don't think of of God as giving us rules and taking away. I think of his design being good and being able to bring me into true freedom. And if you haven't tasted that yet, I promise you it is the best thing ever. The freedom I have now in Christ surpasses everything in my old self life. And I hope that that's maybe something that piques your interest in this, is finding that out for yourself. So with all that being said, I'll get into the graphic now. The title is, Why Your Homophobia Is Not Valid, Rebuttals to Common Excuses for Homophobia. So, off just from the title of it, I'm thinking that they're using the word homophobia in place of disagreement. I don't know how many instances there are of people truly acting homophobic and being aggressive in that way. But there are people that perhaps disagree with the message of this graphic. So, something to notice. Alright, the first point they make is because it's against the Bible. Homosexuality was not in the original Bible and only appeared because of a mistranslation which was altering the Bible to fit social norms. Homosexuality has only appeared in the Bible since the New American Standard Bible, which was completed in 1971. Before, there was the Greek word, I'm not going to try and pronounce it, but I have it down in the description, 
which referred to male sexual perverts and had a completely different meaning than homosexual. Paul was most likely arguing against a Greek practice of sexual relationship between men and boys. Besides, the whole message of the Bible is to love your neighbor. Jesus spent his time with the social outcasts, acting against the social norms. Okay, so that's the first point they're making. I commend the creator of this graphic for addressing the fi- the Bible first, whether they meant to put it in that order or not. It is the most authoritative source, so that's good on them. First, I do agree, yes, the word homosexual did not exist when the Bible was being written. But the description in Leviticus 18.22 and Leviticus 20.13 clearly describes the behavior. In my opinion, there's, there's not any way to misunderstand what that is saying. It's clearly talking about the behavior of two same-sex males having intercourse together. So that seems pretty clear to me. I don't think the fact that they didn't have the word homosexual back then makes that any less clear. Also, within those verses, there's no differentiation in class. So it doesn't specify masters or servants, slaves. It doesn't specify any of that. It just says males and men. And it also doesn't have any differentiation in the age. It doesn't say men and boys. It doesn't, it doesn't have any limitations put on it in that way. So I don't think that that argument really holds water. In the New Testament, we have Romans 1, 26 through 27, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, and 1 Timothy 1, verses 9 through 10. Um, the Greek word that they're talking about is the one that's used in the New Testament. And it means, its definition is men who have sex with males. So again, there's no differentiation It's not talking about the practice of men having sex with boys. I don't feel convinced to think that that in the New Testament it's saying anything other than what that word clearly is defined as, men who have sex with males. Um, I put the... Greek word in the description of this podcast so you can go look it up for yourself Um, people I'll add this too people often say Jesus didn't didn't ever address homosexuality he didn't ever address same sex relationships so how do we know that things didn't change in the New Testament but in Matthew 19 verses 4 through 5 Jesus affirms God's design of marriage being between a man and a woman. So he did address it. And he did say that that he agrees with God's design 
and God's design is pretty specific on what marriage is. And we'll get into that a little bit more in a second. One thing I would say to the church who, in general, don't really like to have conversations. They'd rather just say things like, love the sinner, hate the sin, things like that. But what I have found and what I've experienced is that there is not consistency in addressing all sin. There's like hyper aggression, hyper fear reaction to anybody saying that they experience same-sex attraction. But then for other sexual sins, it's like not a big deal or it's not worth addressing. So we're just going to be okay. Anyways, that's not fun. Proverbs 20.10 talks about if you have a double standard, that that is an abomination to the Lord. So be consistent with how you address sin and be consistent in how you're going to approach and discuss sexual sins. Because it's not cool to think that if you experience same-sex attraction that you're the worst thing that's ever walked through their door and yet there's things happening in leadership or there's things happening in youth groups but that's not a big deal or it's not worth looking into. That's not cool. Be consistent. The Lord's not happy about you having a double standard. The last point they make is kind of like a backdoor to get out of the whole argument. So if you can refute and prove that what they're trying to say about the word homosexual, what they're trying to say about the Greek word, if you can refute that, then they just come in with, besides, the whole message of the Bible is to love your neighbor. So it's kind of like, oh, even if you can understand the Bible better than I just did, then it doesn't really matter because you're just supposed to love me. And I guess that they're trying to say that means you can't disagree. I don't know. Jesus spent his time with the social outcasts acting against the social norms. Yeah, I agree with that. But the most important thing is he didn't leave them there. He didn't leave me there, that's for sure. Jesus wasn't hanging out with sinners like me just to make a statement and then just be like, oh, sorry about it. I can't really help you out, but I got to go do some other miracles over here. No, he met people where they were at. He had compassion and they could feel that. They could feel that Jesus loved them and they could also understand that their behavior wasn't in line with what Jesus was preaching about what Jesus was being the example of. He brought people out of their bondage and confusion and the pain of living outside of God's design because he had the power to do that and he made the way. So yeah, Jesus wasn't just trying to get some like society 
cool points for hanging out with social outcasts. He actually cared about those people. And he cares about you and he cares about me enough to not leave us in the brokenness that we're in. I want to make an important point because this helped me continue to process through my understanding of myself and what I experienced and also who God is. And that is that you can experience same-sex attraction and also want to honor God. I spent years in that place. And I won't say that it's fun, it's difficult, and it's frustrating. But experiencing the attraction is not a sin. Do I think that you should be feeding into that? No, that's not helpful and that's going to end up probably in someone acting on that attraction. And acting on it is a sin. But God has the power to help every one of us overcome every temptation from the enemy. And that's the important part. God has the power to liberate you from every oppressive attack of Satan. It's okay to sit in the place of holding a temptation in one hand and the desire to live in God's way in the other hand. God is much more interested in the process and meeting you right there where you're at than I think we are. I think we'd rather just get out of it as quickly as possible and that the Lord would take the temptation immediately away. That would be very easy, but God wants to teach you and lead you in what his new way is, and that means engaging in the process. And for however long the process takes, you will probably have to hold both of those things. And God is going to honor your desire to trust him and follow the new way that he is teaching you. God's going to honor you having the desire to honor him and all the other stuff he's going to help take care of. But be okay with sitting in the in-between. What I'd also encourage people to do or to pray about is find people who know God and have the courage to walk through this place with you. If you're in the in-between, that's rough, and you're not expected to do that alone. But it does take a lot of courage to sit with people in that in-between and trust God with the process and be there to support that person, encourage that person to just be a friend to them. And I needed that. And I know that it's hard to do. But God places such an emphasis on relationship that you need to understand what you're afraid of if there's something holding you back from being able to meet someone who is struggling with whatever it might be right where they're at and sit with them and walk with them. I'm going to take this a step further 
because there's another argument you might be familiar with and it's kind of along the lines of don't LGB people deserve to be happy and what they mean by that is they should have the right to marry because they have the right to be happy but to that I would say not once in the Bible does it say marriage is required in order to thrive whether it doesn't it doesn't matter if you experience same-sex attraction or you experience opposite sex attraction it doesn't matter there isn't a relationship on earth that will satisfy you like God will so okay deserve to be happy that's that's not really something that is prescribed in marriage and I think people who are mar married if they're being honest they'll tell you that it's extremely hard at times and I honestly think that that it takes having a relationship with God to be able to love somebody like he does and especially in that relationship of marriage but one question I'm gonna pose to you actually it's two questions but these are helpful for me because in my process I wasn't trying to go from oh I don't want to have same-sex relationships so then the goal must be to have opposite sex relationships that was not helpful to me what was helpful to me is to say to myself I want to have the best relationship with God that I can have and that's it. And there's no outcome on anything, any other relationships in the future. That, that doesn't really matter to me. So what would it look like if you pursued God like you pr pursue earthly relationships? What would the results be if you did that? I think these are questions that all of us could be reminded of probably for the rest of our lives. But they're important. And you'll never be disappointed if you're pursuing the Lord. Alright, the second argument they pose is, but they can't reproduce. Not everyone can reproduce, regardless of sexuality. That shouldn't be an argument, and it invalidates the experience of so many people. In nature, same-sex couples adopt and nurture babies that are abandoned or unable to care to be cared for by other animals. They play an important role. In addition, there are many ways for same-sex couple couples to have babies, such as adoption, surrogates, and ways to have biological children that are currently being developed. Besides, why does their sex life decide whether or not they deserve to have rights? Ability to reproduce should never determine the validity of people. Hmm. So first, before we even look into that argument, I think it's important to understand what is God's purpose for marriage. And I believe the first purpose is to bear the full and complete image of God. And two, second purpose would be to reproduce, furthering God's creation in the way he designed So, you're right. I don't agree with 
with that being an argument. I also have never heard someone use that argument, but they can't reproduce. I just don't think it's a very strong argument. Mm, also, I believe that marriage is a privilege. It's not a right. So I'm going to go into more detail on what are biblical rights versus privileges because I'm really interested in that. But I wanted to get this podcast out before I did all that research. So that'll be a second thing I look into. But God designed marriage with a specific purpose. And that's important to God. So whether you understand why that is important to God, whether you think it's important, it doesn't really matter you should still be honoring God so anyways just that to get some understanding in that area of marriage so then okay to this argument I'm saying what or who determines the validity of people again this is the search for identity if you don't have a secure foundation and experiential knowledge of your identity in Christ as a child of God, the one true God who is completely in love with you, then your only option is to be defensive and aggressive in your pursuit of carving out a space to identify yourself. I don't think that... Maybe they do. Maybe some people think that people who experience same-sex attraction are, are shouldn't be validated, but... That's a problem for the Lord to deal with. But this whole argument is based on the validity of someone's experience. And I would say you shouldn't be looking to humans to to validate you. Because we're all broken. And we all have a certain amount of understanding at any given moment. You should be going to the Lord to validate who you are, to affirm who he created you to be. That's where you should be getting your direction from. All right, the third point, third argument, but it doesn't make sense. German doesn't make sense to me. I'm not trying to control who speaks it. Just because you don't experience attraction to the same gender doesn't mean that people who don't who do don't deserve your respect or support. It's just people loving people and there's nothing inherently wrong with it. Homosexuality exists regardless of it making sense or not. My first reaction is this one is a little bit all over the place. I guess they're trying to say that if you don't experience same-sex attraction, you can't say it's wrong. And you have to respect and support someone who who does experience it? I don't know. It's not laid out very well. The behavior of homosexuality is out of God's design in the way that I understand the scriptures. I think the scriptures are clear. I think that it's not the design God has for a relationship that involves having sex and I think it's pretty clear on the opportunity you do have which is an opposite sex relationship in marriage 
remember, the attraction itself isn't wrong. That's the tricky part. We can experience same-sex attraction, and yet any action upon that is out of God's perfect design. God is all for bringing you into alignment with his design. Jesus gave us the opportunity to receive the power of God to transform us into his likeness. That's, that's his goal. Regardless of the temptation or deception you're wrestling with, God has a better way for you and loves you enough to help you truly overcome and become transformed. The last point that they make, homosexuality exists regardless of, if, of, of it making sense or not. Okay, I can agree on that. I don't think that was the point of this argument, whether it existed or not. So you're kind of going off in a different direction. But, yeah, it exists. We can agree on that. Okay. The next argument they make is, but it's not natural. Studies suggest that homosexual behavior is found in 1,500 species. Primarily, homosexual animals are important for adopting and taking care of babies when parents die or are unable to take care of children. Even if they weren't, that isn't a reason to be disgusted at love. Your dyed hair, phone, and shirt aren't natural. Something not being natural isn't bad. Homophobia, however, it's only found in one, humans. So... If you rely on biblical scripture to form your view of what God's design is for people, then this point isn't going to hold any weight. There's also no sources listed. And obviously I know that this is just a colorful graphic to post on social media. But I think if you're making claims like this, it's important to... Give people the opportunity to understand what research you're basing these claims off of. That, that would be helpful to me. Um, there are many things that animals do that we as humans don't do or would be completely against social, I don't know, behavior constructs, whatever I just don't think it's a very strong argument to say that animals do it, so then it's okay for us to do it. It's clear biblically that humans are created in the image of God, and that comes with a lot more responsibilities and a lot more authority and a lot more opportunities to have relationship with God. And... There's not any times that we should be comparing ourselves to animals. Also, obviously I can't look into whatever these studies are suggesting, but to think that homosexual behavior can be inferred from observation, I think that's a stretch. We... Every time we think we discover something, it only shows us how little we actually know. So, I don't know. When 
when we're talking about same-sex attraction and same-sex relationships, I think it's a lot more than just the homosexual behavior of it. So I don't think boiling it down to we can infer this from observation. I don't think that really has much to do with a human-to-human relationship. If you notice, each post has mentioned a desirable or undesirable emotional response from the audience or reader or the person they think is um, making these arguments against them. So first, it's, I feel like you're not being loving. I feel like you're not validating me. I feel like you don't respect or support me. I feel like you're disgusted by my same-sex relationship. There's these mess- these mentions of kind of opposing those responses that they feel like people are have- having. To this, I say, are people really doing those things or reacting that way? Or are you only feeling like they're reacting that way? And this is really important because your feelings are valid, but they are not always true. I may feel alone sometimes, but that is not the truth. And we can go to the Bible and there's many scriptures to tell me that just because I feel alone, that is not the truth. I am not alone. So we have Joshua 1, 9. Isaiah 41.10, Deuteronomy 31.6, Zephaniah 3.17, Matthew 28.20, Hebrews 13.5, Romans 8.38-39. So, yeah, my feeling of, oh, I feel alone, that can be valid, that can be a real feeling I'm having, but it's not indicative of the truth. Emotions are a part of God's design, but they're not the authoritative indicator of truth in our lives. Take time to be aware of what you're feeling and then interrogate those feelings. Do they align with the truth? What does the Bible say to those specific feelings? I think that feelings, emotions, they are helpful and they're beneficial but they should not be the one thing that we're basing any decisions off of. So they, they should be kept on a leash, and, and I think it is wise to be able to understand your feelings, understand why you're feeling what you're feeling, and also be able to encourage yourself in the truth if the truth is different. I think that this is important for same-sex attraction and experiencing that because it does it feel real. It is real. It's a real feeling. It's a real attraction. And it's it's easy to get hung up on that and because it is so deep inside of your being because it is so real it's easy to stop there at that feeling and not move any further and say this is what I'm feeling so 
I need to just seek out the desires of this feeling. Which can be said for a lot of feelings. But Matthew 16, 24 through 26, are we just going to not think about that? When Jesus says that you need to pick up your cross and carry him, that you need to deny yourself, I'm not going to stop in the feeling and say this, this is just it for me. I need to just satisfy this feeling. Because what Jesus is saying that is that everyone has to do that. Everyone has to deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow Jesus. It is not harder for me than it is for you. It is not harder for somebody else than it is for me. It's all hard. And I think that it's worth it. And I, I want to get to a place where I can deny myself consistently and, and continue to look ahead to what I'm going towards, which is Christ. Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy, and he didn't say it was going to feel great. So I'm not really going to spend a lot of trying a lot of time trying to stop and feed my feelings and try to assuage them or whatever it is. Let's, yes, there's compassion. Yes, there's a process in going through that. And I agree with that and I've been through all of it. But there's sometimes and some things when it's just denying yourself and following Christ. The last argument that they make is probably the most feeble, so hopefully it's obvious by now, but it's just a new trend. Homosexuality has always been here. Sure, people may be coming out more now, and that's because they feel more comfortable as themselves. In the past, gay people were killed or their for their sexuality much more often than they are now, so it makes sense they wouldn't want to be out back then. Let's look at some history. Homosexuality has been around for so long, and it was especially common in ancient Rome and Greece. Many famous people in history were rumored to be gay, including famous artists, political figures, and royalty. Couples may have had to hide their sexuality, but non-heterosexual attraction has always been a thing. Okay, so no sources or dates. We're just going to be okay with. It's been around for so long. Um, I don't think we should be basing our beliefs on what behaviors have been around the longest. But even if we did, marriage, as God designed, is the first relationship between humans ever. So if someone did decide to base their beliefs on what's been around the longest, it would be marriage between a man and a woman. If you know God as your creator, then your identity should have nothing to do with famous or talented people. This just shows where people look for direction when they don't have an understanding, an understanding of or a relationship with God. 
I encourage everyone listening to press in and ask the Lord for discernment. Again, I think it's important to understand how to think and not just what to think. The final statements that they make is important to go over and then I have a lot to close with in response to that. So we'll get to it. Okay, their final statements. Even if you don't think that homosexuality is right, it doesn't give you an excuse to be rude about it. Be careful about what you say online. You have a right to share your opinion, but what you say can be incredibly damaging to some people's mental health. You should never be rude about someone's sexuality, and even if it's about a big creator who you know will never see it, other people will. The stats show that LGB youth are far more likely to be suicidal, and seeing homophobic things online really adds to that. So, this is kind of a common approach with some topics that are going on at this time in our society in America, and I guess maybe globally, but probably mostly more in America. But it's kind of inferring that if you disagree, in this case with homosexuality, then people will kill themselves. And that is just... By saying that, you're just trying to intimidate somebody, to bully them into obeying whatever this group is saying that you need to agree with. The goal is to protect people's feelings, which is impossible. And instead of asking the question, why are people who experience same-sex attraction at a higher risk for suicide, which is a way better question to be asking and to be looking into, instead of asking that, we're just saying, oh, these people are on the verge of killing themselves, so don't say anything. This writer is following the crowd and going straight to the blame game of whose fault is it that I feel like I don't want to be alive? It's somebody who disagrees with me. That's what, that's what this line of thinking is. And I just, I don't think that's very healthy. And I don't think you're giving yourself the opportunity to look into why you are feeling some of the things that you're feeling. And I am not speaking at somebody who has experienced not wanting to be alive. I am alongside that. I know this feeling well. So I'm not trying to to say that it's okay that this is happening, to say that it's okay that people who experience same-sex attraction are more likely to be suicidal. That's not okay. But what I am saying is we should be asking questions that are helpful and that are solutions and are not just appeasing a symptom. When I initially became aware of experiencing 
that I had same-sex attraction, I told God that I would rather die than go through this. It was terrifying. Experiencing this is excruciating. It's, it's very confusing and, and very difficult to wade through and understand what do I believe and where are these feelings coming from. Personally, after going through the process, after going through healing and transformation, I think that that because same-sex relationships are against God's design, I think that your whole being is aware of that. It's a dark and confusing place to be, but bullying people into accepting me was never something that I felt was a solution. It was never something that even crossed my mind of, if people just accepted me, then everything would be better. Because it doesn't fix that. There's a whole lot more going on and it's extremely complex. Do I think the church in general does a dismal job of loving people who are in the middle of this battle? Yes. But that doesn't mean that we should swing to the other end of the spectrum and demand people to only say nice things about those who experience same-sex attraction or whatever the topic may be. We have to be able to sit in the middle, even if it's uncomfortable. We have to be able to ask hard questions and press into the Lord when it seems like there's no way out and there's no way to understand where you're at. If you'll notice, both sides, being the church in general and people who experience same-sex attraction, they're both afraid to have a conversation with one another. Now, I'm speaking in general. I'm sure that there's churches out there that are doing a really great job of being Christ-like in the way they love people and and still maintaining that they believe the truth that God has laid out in the Bible and that that they've experienced in knowing him. I think that a lot of times people in the church believe they need understanding before they have a grace-filled relationship with someone and especially around same-sex attraction. A lot of the time, because it is so difficult for someone who doesn't experience it to understand on a cerebral level, I guess, then they think, if it doesn't make sense to me, then there's no way that I can have a relationship with somebody. There's no way I could have a conversation with this person. And that's not biblical. The Lord never said, uh, love the people that you understand and don't worry about the rest. The Lord never said, I will give you full understanding and then you should love people. We aren't guaranteed to understand everything while we're on earth. So we need to be okay with that. We need to be intentional about stepping into having grace-filled, edifying relationships with people who are experiencing things that are very different from your own experience.
I think for people in, who experience same-sex attraction, I think they're afraid to have a conversation with believers to go to church because the rejection they experience is internal and external and constant. And I have, ex obviously, I've experienced that. There's so much that is confusing and then on top of that you don't think anyone will understand and you don't think anyone will be able to meet you where you're at or have a conversation long enough to see that you're a human being before they just back away slowly the second they find out you experience same-sex attraction so I get that I get that is difficult to reach out when there are so many examples of rejection, whether personally or just knowing about things that have happened in the past. A few things that I think are true for everyone, and these are just in conclusion. Unfortunately, people will act out of anger and fear. So we have to know that that's going to happen when we try to engage in conversation or getting to know someone or trying to go to a church. Listening to other people more than you listen to God will be incredibly damaging most of the time. Listening to your feelings more than listening to God's truth and encouragement will cause extreme confusion. There is an enemy who is actively trying to kill and destroy you, but God is for you against all the deception and attacks, and you have access to the power needed to not only overcome the enemy, but to destroy his work. And that's what we need to be looking at. I think that the spiritual reality of the warfare that's going on is important and it's sobering and it helps create a better sense of what to focus on. If you're not engaged in God's power and refuting the lies the enemy is still trying to tell you, in destroying the work that the enemy is trying to do in your life or in others lives if you're not engaged in that then then it's a whole lot easier to be deceived so whether you want to or not you are in the middle of a war and it's important to be aware of that but it's also important to know that if you believe Jesus Christ is your savior is the son of God then you're on the winning team. And when you're on the winning team, you have access to tons of weapons. You have access to the authority that Jesus Christ gave us. You have access to the Holy Spirit, which is the presence and power of God to work in you and through you. It's awesome. It's great. It's what you were designed to do. It's what we were all designed to do. Test every emotion and realign yourself with what God says about you. 
Test everything people say to you and remain rooted in who God says you are. Again, you have to fight for yourself in this spiritual war. Or it will be too easy to be taken over by confusion and lies. And there is no in-between. But the Lord will teach you how to fight, trust me. Last comment. Remember, everyone is searching for their identity. Everyone you see every single day, all of us, we're all searching for our identity. But the work that you do to know your identity in Christ will show the way for others. People will notice the difference. The time you spend in God's presence will be the shining light to those searching to find belonging and the perfect love of God. And it's so cool how the Holy Spirit can work through you when you're not even paying attention or you're not even, you know, you're just going through the motions and then later on you find out from someone that that moment was really impactful or they saw something in you that was different and they wanted to know more. That's that's the Holy Spirit at work. And when you are familiar with God, when you're in his presence, that's going to be visible. It's going to be palpable to everybody that you come in contact with. Maintaining solid, edifying relationships with others is more valuable to the kingdom than winning an argument. Be gentle and listen and also discern the spirit behind comments and beliefs. Is this in alignment with God, his design, and his character, or is it a lie? If you are interested in more content on these kind of questions, these kind of um, arguments or phrases or comments that happen around this topic of same-sex attraction and LGB, I have some links in the description. So Dr. Preston Sprinkle, he's awesome. I highly recommend him. He has done a lot of work going in depth on some of these common arguments and educating church leaders on how to meet people where they're at as they experience same-sex attraction and be able to love them as Christ commands, things like that. So he does a good job of not telling you what to think, but telling you how to think and just really presenting a compassionate approach to rebuilding the bridge between the church and people who experience same-sex attraction. Also, Janelle Holman, she's great. She has a book. She compiled a lot of research that was specifically on females who experience same-sex attraction. And she shares her knowledge and experience from her counseling career. And it's really beneficial. It helped me a lot. So if you're looking for something 
with more of a research forward presentation, then definitely check out her book. As always, I will put a list of the scriptures that I mentioned in this. Don't take my word for it. Go see for yourself. Like I said, I'm not trying to tell people what to think. I'm not trying to prove that I'm right. I'm just trying to put forward the scriptures that I'm aware of that have helped me a lot and have given me an understanding of who God is, what things are important to him, and how to continue following him and being transformed into his likeness. So definitely look into it for yourself. Definitely do some research if these are things that interest you and if you still have tons of questions, which I still do. So I'm sure everyone else does too. That's all I have for this episode. So I'm just going to go ahead and close it out. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you are blessed and encouraged as you listened. Proclaiming-freedom.com is my website. Go ahead and check it out. There's also a contact form as well. If you would like prayer, fill out the form on my website. I'd love to pray for you. It's one of my favorite things to do, so don't hesitate to reach out.